Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, I am super excited to welcome Adam Jay to our show. Adam is the Vice President of Revenue for OnQ. OnQ is a venture-backed SaaS company that simplifies the overwhelming process of moving. Under Adam's leadership, the company is growing fast and seeing really exciting growth. But before joining OnQ, Adam's had a really successful and really impressive sales leadership journey. His teams have booked well over $100 million in annualized revenue, hired over 350 sales professionals, and most exciting to Adam and to me, he's promoted 24 and counting internal promotions throughout his career. He's an expert in helping team members grow learn, get promoted, and thrive, all without having to leave the company to find what's next. Now, I can't wait to dive into how he has had so much success creating an environment where every single motivated team member can thrive. Let's dive into this. Adam, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me, man. And Rob, thanks for, thanks for having me. I feel like after that intro, I joked about it, but it's like, mic drop, podcast over, we're done. Um, you did it all, but I'm stoked to be here, man. When you, uh, when you reached out and talked to me about culture, and it's a culture environment, two of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah, and I think that these are maybe two of the most important topics right now, and, and I can't wait to dive into it. We got, we're gonna have this, this 45 minutes is gonna go really, really fast, and I wanna make sure we get to it, but I wanna start by giving you an opportunity to, to introduce OnQ and what you do for your customers to our listeners. You know, what do you guys do, what, and where do you fit? Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate it. So we are, like you said, a venture-backed software as a service for the moving industry. And every, every, everyone listening right now is like, oh, shit, the moving industry, that's boring. Um, that was my thought too, right? It's like, initially I was like, do I really want to work with movers? And what really drove me to it is the ability to impact these small, medium-sized business owners, similar to my time at Toast, who aren't really using technology. Historically, they're paper and pen. And you put this technology in their hands that could really help them grow their business. And they could manage their business from top of funnel, leads coming in, tracking those leads, where they're coming from, what the conversion rates are, 
you know, what days do they convert? What times do they convert? All the way down through the booking of the move, you know, scheduling the move, scheduling the trucks, what the labor is and having this all in one suite that now it's like, holy shit, I, I can run my business and I can make a lot more money being intelligent. And having the opportunity to have someone come and say like, hey, like I can now put my kid through school or I could send my kid to private basketball lessons or I yep. could do these things that I otherwise wasn't able to do that we take for granted as, as transparently sales leaders who make a good living. Um, that was what really drove me to it in a wide space that just doesn't have, I mean, we have a good amount of competitors, but just isn't touched. Um, it, it, it's exciting, man. I, I think we're doing some great things. And, you know, I, I talk to folks every day that are literally just trying to live the American dream. Um, a good portion of our customers have immigrated from other countries. They are hardworking, you know, men and women who are literally out there in their trucks every day. Um, and being able to change their lives is, uh, is something that is super impactful to me. I love it. I love when you see like mature industries being disrupted the way you're doing it and finding ways. Cause it is like, dude, moving sucks. If you can make it that's suck awful. less, like <laughs> make it suck less. Right. That's, that's a good thing because it's never going to stop. People are always going to be moving and growing. And I mean, I, I watch how many people are moving into our state. I mean, they're just coming in in droves. And so I love it. Last question before we dive into what we're going to talk about today. I love doing this one. I, I, we have sales leaders like yourself that are awesome sales leaders for that come in and talk. And I'm still looking to find the one that said, I, I, when I grow up, I'm going to be in sales. What, <laughs> what brought you to sales, right? How'd you get into it? And short version of the story, how'd that lead you to on cue? Because I still am looking for that person that said, man, when I grow up, I'm going to be the salesperson. Uh, th this is a great story and I'll try to make it short. Um, awesome. First job out of high school, I was an on-air radio personality. Um, I did afternoon drive and overnights and got paid like six something dollars an hour. There is no money in radio unless you have a syndicated morning show. Okay. Um, and said, I want to be a cop. Why not? Let's go risk my life for $20,000 a year. Um, went out, did that for a little bit, started dating a uh, woman who was in pharmaceutical sales realized that she worked what we call T to T Tuesday through Thursday, 10 to two, um, and made five times what I made. Um, and I said, that's going to be my next gig. Now, fun fact, I, I wanted to be a cop because I wanted to kick ass and take names. Um, I worked for a city where we had a very politically correct chief and it was go wave your hands and play nice and get the cats out of, out of the yard. Um, and that wasn't my thing. So seeing that she was able to make a good living, um, and not work that hard, which is not the case the more you move up in sales. I was very young then. Jumped out at me and spent a few years in pharmaceuticals, got into medical device, uh, loved the operating room, worked my way up into leadership um, and tech and have never looked back since. And both my parents are in sales. Um, and I always said I was never going to do it because it's a dirty word. Um, my dad was in timeshare sales. Um, okay. My mom sold whatever the flavor of the day was. Um, and I said, I was never going to do that. And what I found is if you do sales, right, it's not a dirty word. It's a great word. You're consulting, you're providing people service and you're making their lives better. I'm a very low pressure and I te teach my teams to do this as well. Like I want to do business with you and help you, but if not, that's okay. I'm not going to force you to use my product. We could part ways, best of friends, network, and life is great. Um, and if you do sales, right, it's something to be very, very proud of. And it could also be very financial. 
100%. Greatest profession in the world when done correctly. I love your story. Great industries you've been part of, by the way, too. So that's awesome story. Thank you. I, I, I did some good stuff, man. It's uh, I miss the operating room. I, I don't miss healthcare. Um, if there's any doctors listening, forgive me. I, I sell into doctors as a beast. Um, but I do miss the OR. You know, I, 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 uh, I could talk shop with you about that industry for a while. I, I love it. I actually have had a bunch of requests saying, why don't you have pharma sales leaders on your show? Because I've never had one yet. And so I, I probably should sometime. But but that's awesome. I love your story. I love how that road led you to where you are. And you're kind of accidentally involved, but intentionally successful. And I think that blends well to what we're going to talk about today and creating intentional success. But by controlling something, not controlling, but being intentional with something that's very important. Let, let's, let me set the stage. You've had like this amazing run. I, you know, for those people that don't know you, like you've been involved in a lot of different, really cool organizations. Um, you've been very successful in helping creating environments where they can thrive. And so I want to set the stage with, I, just so you know where I'm coming from. I believe sales leaders have three roles. Role one is the development of people, helping them become that best professional version of themselves. Number two is environment, where can we create an environment where the motivated can succeed? And then role number three is accomplishment. Can we help people win now with the skills and tools that they have, okay? And we got to do all three of those. And you and me have discussed, I mean, not you, know, you and me have, but, but also I've, I've touched on environment, I've touched on culture, but I've never had a show on it to that. Because I don't think I ever found someone that that was like their go-to play until I bumped into you and started learning about you and I followed you and I consumed a lot of your stuff. Then it was like, I got to get Adam on the show. So can you talk to me and our listeners? You got 45,000 listeners listening to you right now. No no pressure. How how important is environment and culture if you want to build high-performing teams? Let's start with the easy question and then we'll drill down, right? No, I I love it. Um, In my opinion, to create a high-performing team, it is the single most important factor. Uh, Behind listen, you you have to have reasonable quotas and attainable goals and all of that sales, quote unquote, stuff matters. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a positive culture, rewarding culture in an environment where people want to come work together every single day, notice how I didn't say for me or for the company, um, you can't be successful because people are just going to leave. Well, you just set us up at a nice trailhead. There's like five hikes we can go on from this trailhead with that statement you just made, bro. Well played. Um, so so I agree with you. I think it is. And one of the reasons I like it, and maybe I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll do a little serve and volley here. I, I love what you said. I'll tell you one of the reasons I like it is I think the environment, whether we want to admit it or not, I think if it's not 100% up to the sales leader, it's like, 99.59% up to the sales leader, right? Uh, it, 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 I would argue, yeah. I mean, yes. I remember, so I've been at OnQ about six months. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll tell this story because my, my CEO is probably going to listen to this podcast. And I had the conversation with her. And the, the first thing I said with my first all, all hands was like, a little surprised that that wasn't as upbeat as like I'm used to. Like, I'm the sales guy, right? Like, I'm the loud, like, let's have fun. Let's have a blast. Let's set the culture. Let's make everyone want to work here. Um, And she challenged me and she said, that's part of the reason why you're here. Bring that, change that, make that happen. And I think that when you look at being a sales leader, maybe a better way to word this is being an executive leader. You can't just look at it as my my job is to lead 
my team. It's only about the culture on my team. Like, yes, my, my team, the revenue team is certainly important, but the way I talk and the way I message and the things I say and the way that the sales team acts impacts the culture across the entire organization, engineering, product, uh, I, customer success, every single part of the org. So sales does set that culture because sales brings in the revenue or if the revenue is down, it's, oh, sales isn't bringing the revenue. How is sales reacting to this? And you have to make that environment that it is, listen, it, it's not rainbows and unicorns every day. That, that's just not the reality of life. But if we do it right, even when we're having a bad day or a bad month or God forbid, a bad quarter, we still have an environment that people want to come to work and want to do better. I'm taking notes, man. I'm already a third of a page deep on, on what we're talking about here. I, I, I love this. So I think culture and environment gets a lot of lip service. I think that people say, yeah, 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 we're going to have you know, this great culture or we're going to have this great environment. And it reminds me as I'm thinking about what we're talking about right now, um, Adam, one of my, it's a quote that everyone's probably heard. I want to apply it to environment. There's this, sometimes you hear politicians say it, it goes back to the Supreme Court in 1960. It said, I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. I hear that sometimes when people are like saying, what does good look like in sales? But I particularly hear it in environment. Like what makes for a great environment? Oh, that's hard to tell, but you kind of know it when you see it. I think that's, I don't know, but I won't tell you what I think. What, what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, in one word, and then I could expand it's bullshit. Um, Thank you. That was I, the word I was going to say. I think it's bullshit. Yeah. I'll, I'll why know do you say when that? I, tell me why. I'll know it when I see it. So, Adam, why do you love your wife? I, I don't know. I mean, I someday she just does this right. I know it when I see it. To set a, a culture or environment where people want to come to work where people want to spend the majority of their day, their week, their month. Um, you have to be intentional about it. The culture doesn't just drive itself. The environment doesn't drive itself. It, it, it is absolutely top down. Um, you have to be very specific with what you're going for, with the type of people you hire, how you hire, how you handle everything from celebrating wins to talking about losses, to promoting people, to bringing in folks from the outside, that all ties into culture. And if you're not going to be deliberate with it and just go with, oh, you know, I, I know it when I see it. If everyone's happy, the culture is great, Rob, right? Like people come to work and the culture is great. And like, if you'll remember, it was the markets changed over the past several years, but let's go down memory lane five years ago, right? The big thing was everyone worked in an office and like there's beer on tap and there's wine on tap and we have pool tables and foosball you know, there, table, there, yeah, foosball exactly. table and beanbag chairs and we have a great culture. I mean, do you really? You have beer and you have some cool seating areas that I could sit in, but I don't know if I would call that a great culture. And, so, and I'm sure you'll, you'll dive deep as to what makes a great culture, but like yeah. no, no, knowing it when you see it does not make a great culture. So I love that you said that because I relate to that. I, 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 again, it's one of the big three. It's, it's development, environment, accomplishment. Those are our jobs in, in my opinion, I guess. And so I spend a lot of time trying to help people be an intentional environment. I find that for sales leaders, it's easier for them to feel intentional about development. I'm coaching people on developing skills. It's easier for them to feel intentional about accomplishment because that's what we're here for. We're here to win deals. I, I, I'll chase deals. I'll deal coach with everyone, right? This environment thing, it feels like a little soft and fuzzy, this culture thing. 
do you have like your own since you lead through culture like that's like part of your brand your brand is we use culture to, to build highly productive uh, and successful people do you have like a personal definition of like what culture or environment means to you so I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk out of both sides of my mouth. Um, Let's do it. I, I don't have a written definition. I probably should now that you said that. Um, but talking about it, <clears throat> absolutely. To me, it's people want to and choose to come to work every day on this team versus other teams that they could be a part of. People lift and motivate each other up and celebrate everyone's successes. And there is absolutely no ego whatsoever. And the, the example I'll give you, and I think I told this to you when, when we spoke the other day and people laugh at me. I was on a sales call the other day, a rep had me on a call and I introduced myself and I said, you know, hey, you know, my name's Adam and I, I work for so-and-so, you know, I, I work for the sales team. Um, and the customer was like, excuse me, what, what do you mean you work for the sales team? They, they work for you. I was like, no, sir, I, I work for them. At, at the end of the day, like my job is to block tackle and get shit out of the way. I am a glorified administrative assistant and, and I am fine with that. Um, I, I love that. But when you have a, a culture of everyone works for me and it's what I say, and it's like, this is a dictatorship and don't get me wrong. Everything is not decision by committee and someone has to certainly make a decision, but you can't just go roll out a change without seeking any feedback and tell people this is the way it is. Cause Adam says it, this is what we're doing because it worked at employer A and we're going to do it at employer B. Um, it doesn't work that way. People also, Rob, have to be comfortable um, being uncomfortable. And I think that's really important when you look at culture. I, I talk about a culture, culture of coaching a lot. Um, I, I use that term very often. Um, I love that, by the way. A culture, culture of coaching. We're going to make people better. Um, we're going to look at what we do well and we're going to replicate it. We're going to look at what we don't and we're going to tweak it. But we're never going to make you feel bad. And I'm going to encourage you to make all the mistakes you can. Because at the end of the day, when I worked in healthcare, I had a device that removed polyps and fibroids from women's uterus. Um, so we, we were like literally working to cure cancer. Um, I know what that's like. As I will tell anyone on my team, the worst thing you're going to do is make a mistake. We are selling fucking software, people. We are not curing cancer. It, it is not the end of the world. We will fix it. So you can literally say that because you have been in the business of curing cancer. I, I like I, that. I, I, I have. Um, you got to have fun, man. You got to have fun at work and you have to encourage people to be themselves and to have a good time. And when you put everyone in this box and don't get me wrong, there's certain industries you have to be in a box. I get it. You're very, very, very regulated. My mortgage broker cannot get, you know, cannot say the stuff that I want to say. And he has to watch everything he says because it has to be. I get it. We're not in that space. And salespeople don't want to be in that space. All right. This has been fun like thank you i love the the tempo i love like your inside i love like your energy around this so we, you set a good case that we have to be intentional i can't say i know it when i see it um so we got a bunch of people listening they're probably nodding their heads and, and i hope that they're auditing right now like do i have a good i guess i got like three questions i don't know i'll throw them at you and maybe you can choose what we prioritize what you think we most. one is how do you know if you have a good culture that'd be one question because we got a lot of people i want them to audit like how do you know like maybe you don't even know it when you see it right the second is is there any advice you can give on how you go about being intentional and my third question was are there any kind of common elements i agree with what you said you can't say well because it worked at company a, it's gonna work company b 
No, but are there any common elements that you that you would say need to be part of the the environment and the culture if you want to have predictability and repeatability and growth? Yes, yes. Three yes. questions. I, I don't um, care which one you. I'd love to talk about them all. I just like I want you to prioritize those. I, I'm glad you wrote them down because I, I was rambling. Where would you like? I think all three of those will help our listeners. We got a lot of people listening right now, and I want to I want to help them build these environments so they can all move into next year with environments that that fuel their success, right? I love it. Um, the, the one that's near and dear to me looking at these is, you know, advice on how you can be intentional. Let's go and there. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, and I think that's really important, right? Because we started this by saying, you have to be intentional. You can't just go in and be like, oh, I'm going to create a great culture because I'm going to buy everyone donuts on Friday and pizza on Monday. Like, that doesn't really make great culture. I'm, I'm happy to take the, I, I'm on keto, but otherwise I'm happy to take the donuts and pizza. Um, but how do you be intentional? There, there's a few ways to do it. Um, the first thing that I do whenever I start in a new role, um, and I encourage any leader that I hire to do this, is to sit down and shut up. And, and I'll expand on that a little bit. But you can't come in and immediately try to change everything. Just because it worked at company A doesn't mean it's going to work at company B. You are going to alienate your team um, and they're not coming to talk to you. This is whether you're a external hire. This is whether you get promoted internally. The worst thing you could do is you get promoted from rep to manager. And guess what? I'm going to implement every idea I think is great. And I'm going to upend the world. People aren't going to like that. You have to first seek to understand, um, just like we do with our customers. And, you know, for those who are going to watch some of these snippets, like this sign back here that says, tell me more, um, applies in everything. Let me push when, pause on that. So to our members of Sales Leadership United, you're going to see these these video snippets, you got, I want to ask you if we have time about your top ones, but yeah, he has a big sign that says, <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. I love that. What a great, what a great kind of uh, credo, right? You use it with the customers and you use it with your reps. Um, everything that I want to understand, it, it's, I want to know the why. So, you know, Rob, tell, tell me about, you know, you, you've been here a year. Tell, tell me a little bit about what you like, what you don't. Great. We'll go through that. Talk to me about your performance. Tell, tell me how you think, you know, what, what can we do to make you better? Whatever it is. Well, why is that what you think you need to focus on? Oh, because it's going to help me do this, that, or the other. Great. Why is that important to you? Tell me more. And it's the same thing we do with customers, right? Deep discovery, big disco, little demo, same exact thing. So when you're starting, you know, as a leader or you're coming in as a leader and being promoted, you really have to focus on understanding the lay of the land, understanding what's working and what's not, um, and showing people that you respect them and their opinions as much as your opinions that you're going to try to bring in. Because people are going to have good ideas, right? Not everyone wants to be a manager. Not everyone wants to be a leader. You have reps that want to carry the proverbial bag for the rest of their life, and that's okay. They could add a ton of value. So that's number one. Um, number two, something that I've done every quarter since I've been a leader um, and something I have my managers do every quarter since I've been a leader. <laughs> um, it's, it's a simple 360 survey on Google, man, every quarter. Um, and it, it's like seven questions and I, I won't remember all of them off the top of my head, but the important ones, you know, it's obviously how, how did you perform one to five? Why? What do you need from me to make you better? What am I doing? that you want me to stop doing? What am I not doing that you wish I did? And if you were me, what's the first thing you would change right now? And I set the stage with this, that listen, like obviously I'm not gonna necessarily go and change what you say we need to change right now. 
but I am going to take that feedback and I, I schedule an hour one-on-one -on -one with every single person who fills it out and I talk through it. I don't just read it and it goes in the abyss because otherwise it's just some stupid form that some sales manager wants them to fill them out, but no one's ever going to read it. But we talk through it. And I, I talk through the tell me more of like, why is that what you would focus on changing? Let me tell you why I think this is a great idea. Or conversely, let, let me give you a little bit of rationale as to why we do it this way and why we can't change it. And I what it. I found is a lot of times leadership just doesn't explain the why. And people just think it, it, it's busy work and it's bullshit. And the process is this because some VP of spreadsheets is, you know, I like to call them. And, and that is not my quote. That's a Scott Weiss quote. I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, but some great VP, guy to give credit to, by the great way, great guy to give credit to, um, yeah. Scott's the man, shameless plug for him. Um, yep. but when you are just sitting behind your desk, looking at stuff and you don't give the why as to, you know, the rationale as to why it's important, then it is just busy work and people don't understand, but I've gotten such great feedback from that survey every quarter that a lot of it is actionable and it has resulted in changing priorities or how we do things. There was one that even when it was looking at compensation, I changed the whole compensation plan based on feedback from 27 people that all said this fucking compensation plan sucks. Like you, you, you want to keep people happy. Okay. I love those. Those, those are good places to start. So and can, I, can, I add one, can I add one more? You can add as many as you gonna want. Cut, I'm going to cut you off, but I, I'm going to add one more. Um, as, as that sales leader, as that executive leader, it, it's your job to then manage that up to the C-suite um, and make sure that it flows through the organization. Oh. That is how you're intentional. Because while I can fix it with five reps, seven reps, 30 reps, 100 reps, however many reps, it, it's going to reverberate throughout the org. And you have to make sure that your leadership partners are also instilling the same culture. Otherwise, you have this culture battle. You have, oh, sales has so much fun, or sales is great, or, you know, Rob listens to all his employees, but, you know, Mike over in engineering, man, those people are never happy when you get on the phone with them. Like, they're always pissed off, and they don't want to talk to sales. Like, that doesn't work, man. We, we got to work cross-functionally to be successful. I really, really, really like that. So managing up is something that we haven't done a show on either. Maybe we'll have to have you come back and do our, our, our show on managing up because that's a hard one, man. I still struggle with that. Full disclosure. It, well, that's on my list of, of shows. I want to do a show on is managing up because that affects every single sales leader, whether you're a frontline sales leader or in your seat, the, the guy responsible for all of the revenue. Um, so those are some good places to start with being intentional I like that you started with this 360 concept as well. How involved, like, I, I think I know what your answer, but I don't, I want to address this. Like, I don't, like, I think I know, because I think you just said it, but I want to maybe say it another way. So forgive me in advance yeah, for asking okay. the same thing. How involved is the team in the culture you want to have? Like, is that, do you like actually have a culture conversation or are you okay. deriving it? Are you deriving it? like from these things you're doing? No, man. You know what I'm saying? We, we talk about culture. We talk about environment. We talk about where you want to work, what you're looking for. I'll give you the simplest example. We have an opening. We talk about what kind of person we want to bring in. What are we looking for as a team that's going to benefit the team as a whole? And one of the things I've always said is I, I want a culture addition, not a culture fit. I, I want people who are going to make us better, who are going to challenge us to think differently, who are going to make us think outside the box, and who are going to bring strength <clears throat> to the areas where we, we might have some weakness, and that's okay. But it's so important to me 
when I'm hiring that I bring in people who are going to add to that culture and be part of that culture. Because as you know, and I, I've spent my career in the startup space other than in medical device, but like one bad hire can massively screw things up. Whether it's a leader, whether it's a BDR, whether it's a AE, one hire can mess it up. So if you're not having these conversations with your team about what culture should look like, where do you wanna work? What's important to you? What do you need from me as a leader? Conversely, what the hell do you need? Where, where do you need me to like stay, stay back? Like where, where am I getting in your way is one of the questions I ask my managers all the time. Where am I getting in your way that you just need me to get the hell out of your way and let you do your thing? I really like that too. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's uh, look at you because you've been, you've been in company A, company B, company C, you've been a, not just company A and B where you've seen when the culture is good, you've seen where the culture is not. And no two cultures are the same, no two environments are the same. I always like to call it environment because it's, it's, you know, I think that's an encompassing type of deal. Sure. Are there any common things? Because again, we got 45,000 people listening. People are taking great notes. I don't care if they're working at home or working in their office or walking their dog or whatever they're doing right now. Um, anything you say, hey, if you're going to be intentional about your culture, here's a couple of things that have served me well, like any like kind of words or, or thoughts or, or attributes that would define that culture. Any, any of those that you say, here's two or three that you should really try to be intentional about. Yeah, I, I think the most important one is that no ego. And there's a way that I explain it. And listen, we are all salespeople, right? We all have egos. We all want to be number one. We all love to see our name in the top of the leaderboard. Um, and I was that guy for a long time. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story and I'll try not to make it too long. But Go for I, it. I, in, in medical device, I, I was very fortunate. I was rookie of the year, rep of the year, like all these great things, right? Um, and it came time that there was a district manager position open and I applied for it. Why would I not get this? I am the number one rep, damn it. Like there, this job is mine. And I didn't get it. And I didn't ask for feedback because I was an asshole back then. Um, and I was pissed at the world and I stomped my feet and I didn't get this job. And one of the reps in Jacksonville got it. And I made his, dude, I made his life hell. He called me one night, I'll never forget, at 7.30 to ask me a question, which was fairly common in our industry. And I told him my working hours were nine to five and he could call me back during business hours. <laughs> um, not, not a smart move, by the way. Um, I digress. So new district manager position opens up. Um, I apply again, number one rep, why wouldn't I get this? I don't get it. Finally, I'm getting you know older by then, a whopping year older. We're at a national sales meeting and I sit down with my VP of sales, who is, she, she's the most incredible sales leader I ever worked for. Um, and she's like, do you want to know why you didn't get promoted? I, I mean, of course I want to know. She didn't hold back, Rob, because you're an asshole. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I beg your pardon? Long story short, she's like, you're, you're the number one rep. You, you do all these things great, but everyone has to know you're the number all you talk about is how good you are and how you close the most deals and you don't want to share your secrets with anyone. And, you know, you think that because you're the number one rep, you should be the manager. And that's bullshit. Being a manager is about leading people. This is what kind of started that culture journey for me. And I, I, I can literally visualize where I was sitting wow. in San Diego at a national sales meeting in the courtyard of the Marriott Hotel when this happened. Um, I remember it to this day. 
So when we talk about no ego, what I mean and better said is everyone wants to be number one, but you need to want the person next to you to be number two. If I'm the number one rep and you overpass me, one of two things is going to happen. I'm going to stomp my feet and be pissy pants that you're now number one and my name's not top on the leaderboard. And I'm going to act like my 11 year old acts when I take his iPad away. He's my best <laughs> friend in the world. I can say that about him. Um, or I'm going to turn around and say, dude, what are you doing? And teach it to me. Because the fact of the matter is we're both, if we both have the exact same talk track, do the exact same thing every single time with every single customer, someone's just going to like you better. And someone's just going to like me better. That is a fact of life. There is no magic secret that I have that makes me close deals that you can't close. And if your attitude is that you have this magic secret that you're not going to share with anyone because you have to be number one, big macho. That is not the culture you want because you're going to, you're not creating this environment of teamwork. While we all want to be number one at the end of the day, we want the company to be number one. And that's much more important. So that no ego is so important to me. And then the second one, and this one's hard to screen for, man. And, and everyone asks me, like, how do you screen for it? But you just got to be a good human being. I, I have spent my time working with assholes who get, don't care about anyone other than them. I really try to hire people who want to give back, who have tangible examples in their career um, or in their life of how they've helped others. And it doesn't mean you have to go volunteer for six hours a month at you know, whatever you know, charity you do. If you do, that's great. But how are you giving back? Tell, tell me about a time where you helped someone on your team who, who was failing or who wasn't performing as well as you. You know, tell me about a, a way in your personal life that you, you give back either to your, your community, your neighborhood, your friends. Just like, wh what do you do outside of work to give back? And I think that when you look to hire good human beings, those are the folks who want to work together. Those are the folks who want to do right by your customers, where it's not, how do I close this deal to get the commission? And they have commission breath. It's how do I do right by the customers? And those are the people that the people next to them want to work with. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I think I think we could end the, you said we could have a mic drop on your intro. I think we could do a mic drop. If the only thing we said is live your life and don't be an asshole live your life and be a good human being. If we just said those two things, right? Don't be an asshole, but also don't be neutral. Be a good human being. Yeah. You, you do those two things, man. What happens to our world all around us? It changes fast, right? And I say that as a recovering asshole. Like, and, and I, I, I admit that. Like, listen, I was not always the nicest person. I, I, I certainly, and I still have lots of room to improve. But when you are intentional about it, and you assume positive intent. You know, we talk about culture and assume positive intent. I had a BDR, I'll, I'll never forget. I, I had a BDR who was off on their activity by upwards of 50%. And the BD, my, my BDR manager at the time, young manager, new manager, reamed this guy in a one-on-one, -on -one, like just went right into it in the one-on-one -on -one of like, your, your numbers are down and you can't be there. And we could talk a whole show about why I think activity is meaningless, but that's a whole nother conversation. I want um, to have that show with you, I think. A whole, whole nother conversation. But the, the long and short of it is after this manager, who I did not hire, by the way, um, got done berating this guy, he said, you know, I'll, I'll tell you why my numbers are down. My wife's mother passed away. And that's what we've been dealing with. How do you think that manager felt? He felt like an asshole. Like because at, right, at the end of the day, assume positive intent, metrics tell a story, but we're leading people. 
And you have to create the environment where you are leading people, not numbers. You are coaching people and developing people and investing in their career. And when you do that, people want to work for you. When you do that, people tell their friends to come work with you. And that's the most important part. When you are the manager that just looks at activity and looks at a dashboard and is this VP or manager or director of spreadsheets and nothing else matters. At the end of the day, like my CEO doesn't need me to look at reports and drill down on them. She could see the same damn reports I could see. Like that, that's useless. It, it's building that culture and building that team of where people want to work here. So that's the second time you, you referred to VP of spreadsheets. I We have nine minutes left and I want to give us time to wrap up the right way, but I would be remiss if I didn't dive into that VP of spreadsheets. You yeah. already accredited it to, to Scott. Scott's been on our show a couple of times. I'm a, I, I'm a big fan of Scott. Tell me, not me, tell our listeners, when you're talking about VP of spreadsheets, what do you mean when you say that? And why is that something that we should avoid? Uh, it's such a pet peeve of mine. So everyone, not everyone, uh, the, the old stigma of sales leaders is the higher up you go, the less work you do. That I'm going to, I, I'm now the, the, the VP of revenue. Everyone could see my air quotes. So I'm, I'm some big shot. And my job is to just look at reports and pull the HubSpot or Salesforce, whatever system you, know, you use, look at the dashboards and great. It shows our numbers are down here. I need to go yell at Bob because his numbers are down. Or Chris's numbers are high this month, so he might be the best rep. Or, you know, I'm going to look at a, a BDR's activity and they're not making their activity, so they must suck. It's, it's literally taking no interaction with people, with customers, and it's just going off the data. And, and please don't misunderstand me. I am a data-driven sales leader to the core. I love me reports like it's nobody's business. I love me automation like it's nobody's business. But that is oh. different than being a spreadsheet leader. You, absolutely. Yeah. You use that data to guide conversations with your team, to understand the why behind the what. The data is the what. You need to know the why. You have to talk to customers. I, I talk to a, a multitude of customers every single week. Even at quote unquote, my level, I am on sales calls every week. I am on customer service calls every week. I took a churn call today. Myself, my rep was like, you're going to take it? Of course I'm going to take it. Well, that's not your job. It absolutely is my job. How can I make you better at your job if I don't get involved myself? And listen, I love Gong. I, I sing Gong's praises. I think it's the best platform anywhere in existence. But there's only so many things you could learn from a Gong call. You still have to have those conversations yourself. And the VP or director of spreadsheets is just going to be looking at the churn numbers or looking at the sales numbers and not getting involved. And coaching by, I won't even call it coaching, they're going to be leading by spreadsheets instead of saying, you know what, Rob, instead of me telling you how to do this, oh, you know, I did this type of discovery and this is how I run MedPick and this is how you need to do it. Great, go do it and get back to me. Well, that, that's one way to coach. The other way is, you know what, Rob, I would never want to overstep. Um, and the way I normally run sales calls when I get on calls with reps is I'm going to let you do your thing. If you want to use my title, great. If you need to build credibility, tell them that I'm your damn trainee. I don't really care. I'll be whatever you need me to be. Um, but in this sales call, the first time we do this, what I'd love if it's okay with you is for me to kind of show you how I would run a discovery or how I would run a demo. And then next time we could switch roles and I could kind of be whatever you need me to be. But I want to show you by example instead of just telling you what to do. So let me tell you what I just wrote down. 
as we are wrapping here, man, we got eight minutes left, and um, this went awesome. This this has yeah, been. It doesn't exciting. feel like it's been forty five minutes. Yeah, I know, and that's why I have to write it down. Otherwise, it goes long. Um, you're. This is why this the because you you try to have a environment where people will thrive. Your success starts with culture. The reason you abhor like. You can't even say VP of spreadsheets without saying it with disdain. It's funny to listen to you say because you say it with because you're you emote a lot. I love disdain. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I relate to your the, 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 your expressiveness. I, I relate to that because I'm similar. You can't even say it without having disdain, dude. And here's why: you have learned in your career that leading salespeople, as I piece it all together with what you said, you're in the people business. You're not in the product business. You're not in the numbers business. You're not in the spreadsheet business. You are 100% in the people business. And because of that, you're able to create this environment that fuels people instead of these other things that I mentioned. That's why I write that. That's what I observe. And, and I I, I'm, I'm guessing that's why you've had so much consistency in it. You've had so much um, success with it because you've made it about being in the people business. And the sooner everybody listening to the show realizes that we're in the people business, the sooner they're going to start having impact like you've had. You manage people, not numbers, man. I mean, at, at the end of the day, numbers are important. Numbers are certainly critical. And listen, anyone in sales, myself included, if the numbers don't go up and to the right, are going to find themselves unemployed. But if you want to get the numbers up and to the right, you manage people. You coach I, people. I have a note I just took down that I, I just want to throw at you. I just... I stay away from this topic a little bit because I think it's overplayed, but I think given the authentic nature of this conversation, I'm really interested in what you say. So um, too much is said about like leading remote. I think that people are starting to realize that's here to stay, but are there any other considerations? I mean, for a lot of teams, especially in SaaS, remote already was there. Are there any thoughts that you would say to our listeners, hey, when you're going to be in the people business and you're going to be building cultures and environments where people thrive any special considerations to account for the remote nature of work uh, absolutely i it's high um, level I, i've only managed remote right like i've yeah. never worked in an office um and when COVID happened everyone's like oh you know how are you adapting to remote i mean i, I don't know yeah, it's been there forever yeah right i've been there but i think when you are managing a remote team, it's even more important that you have that kind of personal um, relationship with your team. I believe in mixing work and play. I know everyone on my team's wife's names, husband's names, kids' names, where they go on vacation, what they do for fun. I start every meeting with like, listen, before we even get into this, like, what do y'all do this weekend? What do you plan this weekend? How's the kids? How's the family? My dog will come in and jump up during meetings. My kid will come in like he owns the place. Um, and I set that expectation with my team that that's okay. And that's important. And I think when you do that, because we don't get to spend time face-to-face -face in the office, right? So it's important that I take that two minutes and I get to know about you. I do walking one-on-ones. So I have two types of one-on-ones. Um, one is like core, we're going over the numbers. Like you need to be in front of your computer for that. Um, but my develop, my coaching and development one-on-ones are totally separate. I don't mix the two. Um, that goes back to culture. I want people to really feel like th this hour is to invest in you and to make you better. I don't want to talk about numbers and your performance at all. I want to talk about how to coach you, develop you, and make you better. That's a walking one-on-one. -on -one. Go out, take your phone. We don't have to be on video. 
Um, you know, let, let's just shoot the shit, go for a walk around the block and, and humanize people. So good. All right, we got time for it. I want to do it. I want to do my three rapid fire questions with you because I can't wait to hear where, where you oh, go. Oh boy. You in? You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, biggest sales leadership challenge you're seeing right now in, in the current environment. How do you beat it? So I, I think it, it goes back to what you said. A lot of um, folks don't know how to lead remotely. Um, it's not something they understand. Hmm. They are so focused on the metrics, the metrics. Got I'm to glad I asked that question now then. That's you, good. You, 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 you just got to take a step back. You have to take a step back. It goes back to everything I said. And remember that you're talking to people um, and you're talking to humans. And, and that's how you counteract it is numbers are important, but without your people, you're not going to have numbers, period, at the end. Beautiful. Second question two. Thank you for that one. I love that answer. You've built some teams. You're good at building teams. Uh, when you're building teams and you're interviewing people, is there a an interview concept or is there a characteristic that you're looking for? And like, is there a go-to kind of question that you have to try and find for that? When you use it, what is it you're looking for? So I think, you know, there, there, there's a couple things. When you are interviewing, like we talked about no ego, we talked about, um, uh, man, thank God we're going to edit this. Uh, we talked about no ego and we talked about being good human beings. Um, to me, what I really focus on is what they want out of their future. Um, that's what Ooh. I'm hiring for. I, what past you experience, want out of your future. Love that. Yeah, past experience is great. And I mean, generally speaking, to even get to me, you're, you're past that, right? Like you've had the experience. We've done all that. Where do you want to go and how can I help you get there? So good. I can see why you do that. Uh, because now you can understand where you fit in their journey. And that's going to tell you tons of things. And it's all a journey, man. I, I've asked that question to a lot of sales leaders. That's the first time I've heard that one. That's a really great one. Last one. Uh, leaders, the great ones never finish their journey. They continue to lead to, to learn. And I used to say leaders are readers. Sometimes they're listeners. Sometimes that's audio. Sometimes they're page turners. But it's also sometimes smaller. Sometimes it's bite-sized chunks like podcasts or blogs. Is there anything that you would say to our, our listeners right now? Here's, here's something that I would suggest you, you consume and you add it to the things that help form your leadership journey. So I, um, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts. There's okay. so many good ones out there and I should. Um, I love the Millennial, Millennial Sales Podcast with Tom, Ali, Tom Aliamo from Gong. He's um, awesome. I think is a great one. Yeah, he's awesome. Surf, surf, the Surf and Sales Podcast with Scott and Richard is, is amazing. Also um, awesome. I'm a big reader. Um, right now on my desk, I'm reading the culture code. Um, you know, oh, everyone can see like culture isn't just bullshit to me. Like, Why I'm am reading. I not surprised you're reading a book um, on culture? That's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm reading that. And then for, for first time leaders, you know, what, one of my passions is really that leadership development and turning BDRs to AEs, AEs to managers, managers to directors. Um, more than a number, Scott's book. And like Scott didn't pay me to like say any of this, but more, more, more than a number is a great one um, that I think it's important that people read. I, I love everything you just said. I want to read that culture one. I, I can't get behind you enough on, on endorsing Scott. He's a, you know, he meets everything. He's good at what he does, but he's also a terrific guy. Um, dude, this has been awesome. Do you have any final thoughts to our listener base before we sign off? Yeah, I think be intentional, right? At, at the end of the day, leadership is an immense responsibility and you are running a team Yes, you're responsible for numbers, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for people's 
career growth. Um, and, and you have to remember that every decision that you make is going to affect someone's career. Um, and there's going to be decisions you're going to have to make that you're not going to like. Um, and that's okay. But you have to remember that, like, how would I feel if this was done to me? Okay. How do people get more of you? How do they connect to you? How do they pick up what you're putting down? How do they learn more about what you're doing? All that good stuff. Uh, I, LinkedIn is the place to go. Um, LinkedIn.com backslash in backslash Adam B as in boy, J-A-Y um, is where to find me. Um, yeah, that's the best place. I don't host a podcast. Um, I've toyed with the idea, but I, I don't do it. Um, but I'd love to connect. I, uh, I am that guy that will give 20, 30 minutes of my time. Like if someone has something they want to run through and have an idea, and if, if I could be a help, I'd love to help. His name is Adam J. He has a long history of creating environments that help the motivated people thrive and succeed where they can progress and achieve what they want to achieve without having to go to another place. Uh, if you want to understand how to be in the people business, my advice, follow this dude, follow my man, Adam. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing your insights. This was incredible. I enjoyed it even more than I thought I would, my friend. So, I love so it, thank man. you. And, it was and, great. Thanks for having me. As I say to everyone else, brother, happy selling and go get what's yours. <laughs> I love it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Our jobs as sales leaders are really hard. And I mean that really hard. There aren't a lot of resources for sales leaders to turn to. And, and the fact is, companies that spend millions in sales training, sales tools, sales process, and sales people spend nothing for sales leadership process, nothing for sales leadership training, and the only sales leadership tools we get are rolled up dashboards. And while it's true that companies should do more to develop the leaders on their team, the fact is they don't most of the time. And that, that's why I created Sales Leadership United. I, I did it so we could have resources for the masses. And I'm so pumped that so many of you are going to Sales Leadership United in droves every single week. Thank you. Thank you for your feedback. I'm glad you're finding what you, what's there to be so helpful. Whether you're a new sales leader or one that's been leading sales teams for years, you're going to find all kinds of tools to help you meet, create more impact with those you lead faster. Why? Because it's the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. You'll find it on Patreon, and it's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You'll find video excerpts of this and all of our podcasts in four to five minute segments, all tagged and organized by topic to help you in your sales leadership journey. You'll find my very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, sales meeting materials, leadership and one-on-one -on -one coaching systems, and much, much more. New materials added every single week, and you'll find everything you need to become an elite sales leader in Sales Leadership United. So don't go reinventing sales leadership. Invest in yourself because you're worth it. Tap into proven training and techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and head over to Sales Leadership United today. I also got to thank you, our listeners. Listen, we got well over 40,000 people. Sometimes it's 45,000 people a month downloading this show. And the show just keeps growing faster and faster. We keep showing up on these top sales podcasts and, and, and sales leadership podcast lists. And I'm so appreciative of that. It's mind-boggling to me that the show is now listened by so many leaders in so many countries all around the world. 
And many of you reach out to me and tell me your stories on how it's helped you in your journey. Some of you tell me you've listened to every one of the episodes. I love hearing the stories, so keep them coming. They fire me up. I love hearing them, and it just makes me more excited to go get the next round of great sales leaders. And the next five or six are already recorded, and they are awesome. I can't wait to bring these to you. So thank you, because without you, there's no show. I do this only because I love the sales leadership community, and I'm so grateful that so many of you have found the show helpful. So thank you. Your support's been humbling. It's been inspiring. And my commitment, I'll keep bringing killer guests to you every single week. Now, let's get back to Adam. He's doing amazing work as a sales leader. He's for sure someone that you're going to want to watch and stay close to. And one of the things I love about him is that he makes no secret about the fact that his first place he starts to have leadership success and performance success is culture and environment. The environment is not an afterthought. The environment is not a byproduct of something else. The environment is not a happy accident. Instead, the environment is where he starts. And, and I had to have him on the show because I think that being intentional about the environment is more important now with so much change happening all around us than it's ever been. And so I really like where he starts, and I hope you caught it. He started with a commitment that the, later, the leaders work for the salespeople. I hope you wrote that down. We work for the salespeople. And a huge part of what that means, a huge part of the commitment, it doesn't mean you're doing their job. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you're their admin. What it means is you're intentional about helping them win. You're intentional about having them have life-changing years. And a huge part of that is being intentional about creating an environment where every motivated salesperson can thrive. Not just survive. Not hang on for dear life. Thrive. So I want you to think about how you do that intentionally, deliberately how you create that kind of environment because it is absolutely, positively one of the critical roles we take on when we become a sales leader. Too many times we think our role is to just hit a number. And I think that at best, that's our third role. I think one role is development. We gotta be intentional and create intentional development and, and improvement for each of our salespeople that we work with. And I think just as important, another crucial role is to create an environment where the motivated can succeed. So that means you can't just cross your fingers and hope for a happy accident. You need to plan for it, talk about it, create experiences that foster it, and then never forget that we are in the people business. I freaking love how he hit that point, that culture and environment is being in the people business. And once you realize that with clarity that our job is about people, then everything changes. So be deliberate, be intentional, and make sure you create a culture by design. It will change who you hire. It will change how you coach. It will change what your meetings are like. It will change how you prioritize your time. It should change everything. And look for a culture addition, not a culture fit. That might have been my favorite part of what Adam and I discussed. Don't fall for the, I can't tell you what great culture is, but I know it when I see it myth that so many average sales leaders settle for. Bust that myth. Realize the bullshit that it is, just like, at, that, like, like Adam talked about early in the show. But whatever you do, be intentional. And if you want more on how to do this, I have a really killer exercise that you can do if you really want to take a closer look at your environment. I've got the exercise as one of my leadership things that we have in Sales Leadership United. Uh, I get a lot of great feedback on it. I do it with the people that I coach. You can implement it really quickly. So head over to Sales Leadership United, check it out, and then hit me up if you have questions about it. So this week, 
Do an audit of your culture or the environment you create for those you lead. What words do you want to have that represent your environment? And then be intentional about the behaviors that will activate those words and bring them to life. Because culture is only evidence through behaviors. We can create experiences that will engineer those behaviors. And if we do them consistently, you'll see a culture change in as little as 90 days. So get after your environment. Are you creating something where people thrive? Because if they aren't thriving, environment is a really, really great place to start. Check it out. If they're only surviving, that means you can improve the environment. If, they're th if they are not thriving, start there. Even if they are thriving, be intentional about your environment. Small changes. They lead to massive results. Okay, They lead to massive improvements. And so my advice is to start making those adjustments because your environment is one of your most defensible competitive advantages or it's going to be that Achilles heel that takes you down. And this, right? This, the reason that you should be excited about this is you are 100% in charge of the environment you create. So Adam, thanks for joining me. Your success is undeniable and your blueprint is worth taking a second look at. The fact that you start with culture is something that every one of our 45,000 listeners should take note of. You're not accidentally successful leader and with a strong environment in place, there is no doubt more winning is coming your way. If you haven't connected with Adam, be sure to do so. Connect with them. Follow what he shares and does because this is one person who's a doer, not a talker, and these people are worth watching. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you liked this episode, please, please find a way to get to, to iTunes and give us a five-star re, re, uh, review. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. Many of you have asked how you can support the show. You can do it two ways. The first is to check out Sales Leadership United. For the cost of lunch, you can make an investment in yourself that will be a game changer. But the easiest way you can support us is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite. Live strong. Chase your passions. And don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, Want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.